Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. I'm Giles Bitter, and I'm sitting in St. Paul's Church in Deptford, uh, inspired by Guy Garvey, who does his sixth music show, who broadcasted 
last week from his garden, which I thought was a nice thing. And I realised, I well, you know, I, I can do this remotely. So it's blue sky, wearing shorts, got my iced soy latte. Got to pick up an avocado in a sec. And here we are, another episode of 101 Part-Time Jobs, where I speak to musicians and artists and sometimes comedians about the jobs that they had in tandem or before they went full-time. We've got Nicola from Doe on this week's episode. I say this week's, it was supposed to come out two weeks ago, but then I got a George Foreman grill and then I went on tour. So here's a great conversation I had with Nicola upstairs at the Miller, which is a pub I used to work at by London Bridge that you should go to. Nicola takes us through working from a cafe to how to navigate being in a band alongside working a full-time job and trying to pay rent in an expensive city and live a normal life whilst doing that one hobby that you just take a bit more seriously than a hobby. Thanks. Enjoy. Cheers. My mum is always the kind of person that's like, go out and get a bloody job type thing. So I had to get a job when I was quite young. I started like in pubs, um, like dishwashing and stuff like that. Just please give me a job. I'll be a dishwasher. Um, and then I started like waitressing and stuff like that. And there was this one particular job when I was super young. I think it was like my second job. I was in like 13, 14. Wait, no, how, how old do you have to be to work? I thought it was... 15 but but you're gonna have all these people that like especially if it's like a friend of the family yeah she definitely was no friend of anyone but (laughs) I feel like I was 14 15 maybe then Mm. um and I worked in this little cafe in a little Dorset town called Shaftesbury and I went in for my interview and there was basically this place was renowned for this big like ye olde style window full of cakes Mm. and she called it the cake window but I didn't have a clue what that was because I was just like a little 14-year-old like or 15-year-old. Like, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. And then I had the interview and um, she was like, oh, and of course you must know about our, our famous cake table. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I bit my lip. And she said, why are you biting your lip? You're lying to me, aren't you? Why are you lying? Why did you lie about that? And I was like, oh, sorry. Like, I, I actually don't know what the cake table is. <laughs> and then... And then she just, like, absolutely fucking demolished me. Um, I got the job, probably because she realised that I was a person that could be demolished at the time. And she looked like a spitting image mask. And she talked like one too. She was, like, super posh. And used to be married to, like, one of Princess Diana's butlers or something. And um, she... I I have this specific memory. She used to charge people, like, five pounds for a glass of water. Uh, No, like a, a jug of, like, tap water. Yeah. And if we saw, like, a couple sharing a slice of cake, us 14-year-old waitresses had to, like, charge them double, charge no. them for two pieces of cake. Um, and Motherfucker. Yeah, and then one time she uh, went to do up my apron for me and said, oh, you've got such a pretty face. It's such a shame about your weight. You really ought to go jogging or something. That's <laughs> I know. That's and I was like... Obviously, because I was like a young, impressionable te- teen, I was just kind of like dumbfounded and didn't say anything. Of course, now I would smack her to death. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so horrible. That is recorded, by the way, that Nicola would kill someone. <laughs> I would. I would kill her if I had the chance. Um, and 
there was another time she like we'd have these like free lunches and she was like what do you want for your lunch and I was like I'll have a toasty please and she was like don't you think you ought to have a salad oh, fuck off. I know yeah body issues man that was like a little cafe and then I went on yeah. to kind of like um working in pubs and waitressing and did you working find, in bars and stuff did you did you find you could fit in and kind of do well at the yeah, like there was a lot more nicer people working there. I worked in a pub once. Oh, when you asked me to think about some memories, this memory I suddenly like came into my head out of nowhere. Um, I used to work in this pub where bands would play. And I remember there was this band of like, you know, 50, 60 year old blokes um, just playing like pub covers. And they played uh, the Dire Straits song. Oh, what's it fucking called? It used to be my favourite song. You know, the one, Sultans of Swing. Yeah. <laughs> and they played Sultans of Swing. And me, like, little bloody like... 18-year-old me, of course, I've been a rock dad from the age of 18, and my favourite song in the world was Dire Straits, Sultan of Swing, Sultans of Swing. And I remember, like, after they played, like, going over and being like, oh, you guys did a really great job of that song, by the way. It's one of my favourite songs, and you played it really well. <laughs> and it's just like... Now I look back, it's like such a kind of twist on everything that happens totally. to women all the time. And it's just so funny thinking of this 18-year-old girl going up to these, like... 60 year old bloke musicians and saying that and I'm like brilliant Did you I always had it in me <laughs> I just didn't know was Doe your first band? Um, it was my first like real band so when I was a teenager I had a band that was mostly like covers and stuff Cool Billy we were called because cool yeah. our, our drummer had a CB drum kit okay. um, and my friend wrote like, like drew, drew a doodle and she wrote Cool Billy on it Great. and then we were like let's just call ourselves Cool Billy yeah and yeah, it was, it was terrible. We did, yeah, <laughs> Twisted Sister, everything. Sick. But um, yeah, so I grew up in Dorset and nobody, nobody, there wasn't really people that, there wasn't a DIY scene there. There was yeah. nobody there that knew how to put together proper bands and stuff. I was mm. just desperate to play music. So I played like Thin Lizzy and Black Sabbath covers and stuff Sick. to like old men in the pub Great. with my covers band. And then yeah. Doe was my first like, you know, proper. Going back here, but like, how, do you remember how you got those gigs? Um, yeah, I think actually like me and my friend just kind of wrote a big list of all the pub names, the local pubs, got in touch with people, yeah. asked them to book us, find yeah. out if they did music. That's so good. And we got paid like way more than I get paid now in an <laughs> actual band that I put a lot more time and effort into where I actually write the songs. We get paid like 200 quid a gig yeah. for these like little country shows. You hear, you hear about it, same with weddings. Yeah. Weddings can be more so obviously. Yeah, you get like... But cover bands in pubs getting a few hundred quid is pretty bad. It's fucked. I'm gonna go back and do that instead. <laughs> Better off for it. Get some money. Did it? Did that? Did that carry through your teenage years playing in that band? Um, kind of, yeah. Until I went to uni, and then I didn't do anything for a bit. It was kind of like desperately seeking people to play in a band with, mm. um, and I couldn't find anyone. I'd get like really drunk and then go to like the local, you know, one pound per pint night and go up to people who looked a bit like edgy, inverted commas, and um, be like, "Hey, you look like you might play an instrument." Um, <laughs> Did, it, how, did, it, did that work out? No, I didn't find <laughs> anything. But, you know, had some good conversations, had some nice times. Where did you go to uni? Um, I went to uni in Portsmouth. And were you writing songs when you were there? Not really. Like, I feel like something I've realised recently is I don't think I'm like a solo writer and singer. Like, I can, I can write stuff on my own now, but it's because I've got a band in mind and I know how the other people work and stuff. Yeah, sure. I'm not very good at just, like... I think it's the focus, so I can write like a really good chorus, but then like I don't have the patience or focus to like totally. finish off a full song and unless I'm with other people bouncing off. You can hear that in though, I think, is that it's, it's dynamics, isn't it? Especially as a three piece, you've got to stretch mm. that dynamic. 
Yeah, that's true. Did you start writing fully formed songs when you met someone that you could bounce ideas off? Yeah, so like, I guess Jake, um, we say this in loads of interviews, but I don't know, some people might not know, but Jake put an ad on Gumtree and then I replied to it and then we met up and started just like playing together. He had a couple of songs in mind. That was in London? Uh, yeah, when I moved to London after uni. And he had a few songs already written because he's like, he's a writing genius. Um, and and then, he played in a bunch of bands before. Yeah, he did. I think I saw one times. of his bands when I was like 15. Oh, really? Supporting <laughs> someone or other. Yeah, they used P-Rock to support. Years. Yeah, like they've supported No Effects and Alice Cooper and all sorts. Great. What were they called? Mad. Um, like, I'm not going to say okay, it just okay, in okay, case. Okay, it doesn't matter. It's literally all in the past. It should stay in the past. Yeah. So you moved to London to do. <clears throat> was that for? Is that because you got a job and you moved here, or did you move here and then get a job? Uh, I moved here because my boyfriend at the time had a job. So I was like, "Fuck it, I don't have any other plans. Let's yeah. move to London." And then yeah. I got a job, which was a shit sales job. Um, I actually went for an interview at the Independent to do a sales job, and everyone was just really posh, and I didn't get that. And then, um, yeah, I was drawn in. I feel like loads of people fresh out of uni see this title, like, media sales. And you're like, media, a London job that in the media. Me. Uh, so I went for that, and I did that for a while, and it destroyed my soul. Um, was that cold calling? Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's kind of like... So I worked for a magazine called Marketing Week for a bit, okay. and everyone there was just horrible, like, horrible, horrible salespeople that had no morals and just wanted... Like, they, I don't know, they just make you feel like absolute shit about yourself until you sold stuff. So Probably I'd be like, because they feel shit about themselves. Yeah, they have no other worth. Right. And that's too mean. Do you, do you remember those <laughs> days, like, clearly much at all? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I don't think about them a lot, but, like, yeah. thinking about them now, I do. The, do you remember the like, sort of the training days? Yeah, because I, I joined with, like, two other people. Um, and they both, like, dropped out straight away. But I was always like, there's this weird thing, I guess with jobs and stuff because I come from like a, a not super affluent background I've always felt like I, I have to I can't just quit stuff like yeah. I, I my family would be like disappointed and like I panic about money and stuff so it's like not really an option for me to just give stuff up unless I've kind of got a well thought through plan yeah. which is good because it's led, led to me like having um, more kind of work opportunities now because I've kind of done loads of shitty stuff and yeah, seen it out yeah for real I'm prepared for probably real life a bit yeah Swim, swim through the bullshit. You've got to just suck it up sometimes. Yeah. But um, yeah, the training was awful. It's like, and then you, it's basically training you how to manipulate people. And I'd phone these people for these tiny ads in the back of Marketing Week. It'd be like this old guy that's selling like balloons. And I'd be like, hello, it's Nicola from Marketing Week. Um, you know, please buy some balloons. He'd be like, my business is dying. <laughs> We're going bankrupt and stuff. And I'd be like, but can you just buy the ad so that I don't get in massive trouble? <laughs> were, you, were you good at that job? Um, I was okay. Like, Looking back on it now. I, I feel like if I... I feel like I, I made some sales, but I didn't want to do it. So I yeah. kind of made them in a nice way instead yeah. of bullying yeah. those dying businesses yeah. into buying stuff. Did you quit that or did you get sacked? I quit, yeah. I've never, Have you been I've sacked? never been sacked. I'm too it's much a of a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I like even if I hate jobs, like I try really hard because I'm yeah. too nerdy to ever want to be fired or yeah. be bad at stuff. Where did you go from that? Do you remember? Um, yeah, I went to I went to a creative agency, uh, 
creative agency, you know, again, all these like London yeah. jobs. All these vague titles. Yeah. They're like, oh, that could be me. And again, I was like, oh my God, a creative agency. <laughs> I used to um, like, I don't know, just generally do little stupid tasks like emailing customers. Was that where you were before freelancing? Before freelancing. Yeah. Because I remember, because yeah, that was the last time I think I remember seeing something about you working at this creative yeah. agency job. Yeah, so I worked there for um, like four years. Right. But all the time it's like every single holiday is a tour. So you never get a holiday. Sure. And you've only you, got like 20 did, days. Did they know you were going on tour? Yeah. Did, yeah, they, they did. They, did you get any, not weirdness, but did people want to talk about it? Yeah. I in think, a nice way? Um, I guess in a nice way that they were being nice, but yeah. you know, I don't know if you feel this, but when you're doing a job and everyone's like, oh, she's in a band. Oh, how's the band and stuff? And you're like, oh. Does feel that way. It's like having 50 dads. If you stayed there for four years, that must have been a, I mean, that's not a short amount of time. I think I mainly stayed there because, um, I don't know, it's just kind of easy. Yeah. Um, I like, I managed a design studio, which is what I do cool. freelance now, but like, I kind of like, had never worked at a creative agency before and then I managed to kind of like nestle myself into this little, little role yeah. where it wasn't too soul destroying so it's kind of like I what? don't have to deal with any like clients or any of the kind yeah. of wanky side of what it. What were your daily sort of day to day jobs? Um, I don't know just like a, a project would come in and then I'd have to plan the designer on it. And would that be like someone designing an interior of a party or yeah basically stuff like that like yeah. parties and conferences and yeah. sometimes like website emailers and stuff okay. like that um were you designing that stuff yourself no i, d- I don't design i'm okay. useless but um, <laughs> i just boss people around great find it helped it went with my personality type yeah um no but it was cool and i did some like copywriting and proofreading and stuff cool. like that as well so i managed to kind of like form this little role of things that I was okay with doing yeah. that I could put minimum effort into whilst getting paid quite well <laughs> and also just go on tour and all the that holidays. That is the dream, that's the goal. Yeah, so I think I've been, I think I've like done well with jobs. Um, Do you feel like you could leave that job at, at the office? Do you um, know what I mean? Like not, yeah, not be at home and something bug you? That's the thing with a band, like before the band I used to go home and kind of stress about work and mm. really like let everything get to me and get pissed off with people in the office all the time and stuff. And then I feel like once you're doing something that you love, <clears throat> that you find actually creatively fulfilling, yeah. you don't give a shit about the work stuff anymore. You're just like, whatever. So I think it's it's much easier to go home and not think about it because you're too busy going home and thinking, fuck, now I yeah. need to send loads of band emails and design a T-shirt. And well, I feel this. like as well, if, you're, if you're fairly all right at your job, you know, if you're good at your job, then you can. Because you're like, okay, I've done everything that needs to be done. That can fuck off. Yeah. I can go home and think about my yeah. life. Yeah, that's true. How, how do you, or how do you find the sort of, the parallel of songwriting and, and going to work? Like, do you, do you have a structure? Do you write in the evenings, on the weekends? No, I find it really difficult. I feel like working, especially working five days a week, and especially working five days a week in a job that's like, um, like a full-time job, that you're actually you've got responsibilities and stuff in and you know you do have to think about it even if you're not thinking about it out of work so I feel like writing around going to work in recent years for me is just kind of like the creativity just comes wherever it comes with no structure it's almost like the work life is so structured that these snippets of creativity come from nowhere like we've got this song called Last Ditch which you might know 
Um, and it's it's like a really cheesy story of how the riff came to me or whatever. But I was like literally brushing my teeth, getting ready for work at like half eight. And then like those like slidey chords just popped into my head. And the, the melody, like the chorus melody and slidey chords just like popped into my head. And I was like, shit, I need to go and get this like recorded before I forget it. So I was late for work and I just kind of like jumped upstairs, quickly did the chorus. And then um, after meeting Jake, I've become a lot better at kind of like fully fleshing out songs in terms of structure and then we still work on them all together but um yeah i just kind of came home later that night and finished it off in my bedroom and yeah um the rest is history like being realistic do you do you like practicing um (laughs) i have mixed feelings about practicing because if we've not played in ages like i love practicing it's like oh Mm. it's so fun to play music when you Mm. spend so much time doing the kind of bullshit admin stuff and then you get in the practice room and you're like oh and yeah. you're like, our songs are fucking great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And writing, I suppose, as well, when you take yeah, a new song. To, it's amazing. Are you writing much at the moment, given that your last record basically no, just came out? No, no. I feel like we're taking a little writing break at the moment and yeah. just kind of enjoying planning the tours and playing the tours and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's coming up? South by Southwest? Yeah, so we've got a UK and Europe tour starting on Valentine's Day in yeah. Bristol. Great. The Exchange. And then um, that's like... We've got Neurotic Fiction on the European shows and Milk, um, milk Crimes, yeah, on the UK shows. Cool. That's the right around, yeah. Um, we'll make sure this comes out before then. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so that's uh, the next thing that's coming up. Got to practice for that. Got to remember how to play all the new songs. And then we're going to the States. We just got approved as cool. illegal, as legal aliens, legally recognised <laughs> international aliens. That's what how it's do you find that process? Because I feel like that's something that I mean, obviously, it's it's not the most exciting part of being in a band, but at the same time, it's, it's like pretty mad. The whole visa thing's mental. Like, yeah. How long did you spend filling out those forms? Well. I feel like this whole podcast is just an ode to Jake, but he tends to do all of that stuff. Yeah. So he um, he's the logistical guy. He's good at stuff like that, and he, he quite enjoys it, I think. Mm. Um, so I like to think, anyway, I like to tell myself to uh, alleviate the guilt. He needs it. But he, yeah, he, he does spend absolutely ages doing all like I've done stuff before, like... Um, you know, PRS funding applications and stuff yeah. like that. but And that takes fucking ages. That but. was tedious. I did that once and I, I kind of hated myself. Yeah. Writing about yourself in the third person. Yeah. It's, it's, not like the, a, it's not the one. It's like a horrible CV. Totally. Yeah. So you've just gone freelance? So I've just gone freelance. What what Actually, I've, that? I've gone freelance like two years ago now. Oh, cool. And that I was just, on top of... I ran out of holiday to go on tour, so I went freelance. Nice. Um, well, I, I actually... Um, I didn't have, an, have enough holiday days at the place I work, the agency, so then I quit. Um, Did you quit in style? I, I was like, I'm going to quit. I fucking hate this place. And then I went Four into the boss's down. office and just <laughs> cried and was like, thank you so much for having me. I've loved working here. And I was like literally crying. And yeah. then I got home and was like, what the fuck? I think it's a skill that humans have, faking it. I wasn't people. even faking. I was just I'm so I'm so emotional sometimes out of nowhere. I'm like I feel like I'm like really cold blooded, and then like the emotions just come in like bursts, unexpected bursts, and then I'm just like, why the fuck was I crying at this, about this thing that I'm pleased to be leaving? Yeah. Um, and then I went to work at this other place, and it was hellish and in a basement, and mm. then I quit in style, 
Yeah. Um, and I just sent an email that was like, I kept trying to talk to the boss and be like, this is shit, like, you're treating me really badly, there's too much to do, etc., etc. And he sent some shitty one back, so I was like, okay, well, I didn't want to have to do this over email, but I'm fucking quitting. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah. Brilliant. And then the rage of that made me go freelance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you take clients from your previous jobs? No, like, I don't know clients. I'm not like how, a, how I'm you... not like an agency wanker. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how did you find people, basically, to work with? Oh, um, When you, you know, going freelance? Just, like, going online and looking Facebook up, like, spaces. freelance jobs and stuff. Um, okay. Being like... Oh, got you. So you're... So rather than doing kind of the same job for different people... Yeah. You're just doing bits and bobs well, for like, a number of... Well, I do do the same job. I still do, like, studio management for design companies. But, yeah. like, um, it's kind of... I go into companies and do it there, so look up if anyone's looking for a freelance studio manager and then go I'll in, go in, in there for like a, a few months. And, and I suppose I that's kind of a, a slice of that kind of industry where they kind of always have kind of people overlapping. Yeah, you meet like people that you've worked with before and stuff and people are a lot more understanding she can be like, I'm only available for this because I'm going on tour for two weeks. I've been working all day Hey, podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.